everybody. Welcome to another episode of Rhythm and Bay. As always, I'm your host and I am here with Olympian Lisa Curry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey. Uh, no, Lisa Curry is my guest for the day. Super funny, super talented. So excited to have you. I am not going to lie, though. I legitimately didn't understand that there was another person who was an Olympian named Lisa Curry. And just thought... <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> And I just thought, like, before you did comedy, you, like, won the Olympics, and that was just, like, also part of the bag for you? I, you know, I never intended for to, like, trick people, but I love that people think that. I'm like, you know, I, I like that people think I had a whole badass career before this. And I, somebody just last night asked me if I had been in the Olympics, and I was like, no, there's an Olympic gold medalist named Lisa Curry and she took our name and the, the whole thing is there's a million women named Lisa Curry and I can't I just can't get my name on anything so I've gone she's with Olympia Lisa older than Curry. You, <laughs> she's a little bit older but like we're the same height she has blonde hair I have blonde hair we're like kind of the same build obviously she's much more muscular than me but um I feel like if I beefed up I'd look like her <laughs> I she love also has that. a I love... super hot son. <laughs> yes, I, I, don't, I yes. went down this rabbit hole. I was like researching great stuff about you, which I kind of already knew because you've done my show before and you're, my uh-huh. my live show um, that I do in Glendale now, y'all. But I just was like down this rabbit hole, and then I ended down the other Lisa's rabbit hole of finding <laughs> out like her whole life, how her daughter died tragically, just just in a whole Oof. other world. Girl, can I tell you? I, when I released my album, I set up a Google alert because I thought, oh, somebody might say something nice. Um, And that was around the time her daughter died. And for a year and a half, every single, every single Google alert I got was how she's coping with her daughter's death. And I was like, wow, major, major jokes on me here. Uh, (laughs) That's what I get for being like a narcissist. You were like, no, it's going to be all about me. It's going to be mm-hmm. great. The Google nope. alert can do you dirty too. I, um, oh, yeah. I've been keeping up with the other Jasmine Ellis's. There is a Jasmine Ellis who is like 14 or 15 and she's a star um, basketball player doing great. And I just, Ooh. I want her to disappear. Um, <laughs> I mean, you could kidnap her. I could. I could. <laughs> this is not an admission of guilt. Because if she, something happens to her, don't be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> If and something happens another... to her, I kidnapped her for you. <laughs> You're a real one. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> then there's another one whose mom is on Love and Hip Hop, and she's like 26 and super hot. Ooh. And okay. I get her random fans. Um, men who follow hot women online are very interesting because they're so singularly yeah. focused. They don't even actually pay attention to what they're looking for. This man sent me this long email that was like, you were so beautiful on Love and Hip Hop. And I was like, hi, I'm a different Jasmine Ellis. I do comedy. (laughs) And he was like, (laughs) he goes, then where is the real Jasmine Ellis? And I was like, it's not really my job to help Sir, I am. With all due respect, she came after me. So (laughs) turns out I'm the real. She's a carbon copy. Sorry. So I know that you have been busy on the road, seeing so many different, it's funny that we use the expression on the road, but you've been in the air, you've been planes, trains, <laughs> automobiles. Just- <laughs> yeah, I've been all over the place. It's been, uh, it's October now, since, since like mid-July, I've been gone almost every single weekend. I think there was one weekend when I was home and it just, it felt so wild because, you know, the last year and a half, we didn't really do much. And then 
now uh <laughs> now it, like the last few months have been so nonstop, and it, it i just didn't i didn't have the stamina for it i think like it was it was so much fun don't get me wrong um like I was, I've been doing my own headlining weeks and then I started opening for Jim Jeffries, which is a lot of fun because we're playing in theaters. But this last weekend um, in Denver, the wheels kind of fell off. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm coming unglued. <laughs> All right. I got to get home and rest. What was the moment that let you know that like maybe you needed a little self-care, a little, a little rest? Um, when I, I just was forgetting everything, you know, you know what, here's the moment. Um, the exact moment was I, uh, was on a show with my friend, Jono Zalay. It was very funny. Um, and we were like on the outskirts of Denver. And so I was like, Oh, can I ride with you to your other show? Cause it's closer to where I'm staying. And he's like, sure. I ride with him to the other show. I watched the entire show, Jasmine, the whole show. I sit there. I'm like, taking down notes, like trying to give him tags. Cause I just love doing that. Uh, at the end of the show, I, I open up my phone and look at my calendar for something. Uh, turns out I was supposed to be on that show <laughs> and I didn't realize <laughs> I didn't check in with anyone. I just sat there and watched the entire show. Like an and audience member. Never said And they're probably like, yeah. Lisa, Lisa Curry just flaked. I don't know if she's ever yeah, show. And they're like, wow, her first time in Denver. What an, asshole she never came um and i was there and what's what was great though <laughs> was <laughs> later on uh one of the hosts messages me uh i think somebody told them that i was there great i never checked in so that's on me because i didn't they don't know who i am um and he messaged me and he was like oh my gosh i'm so sorry we flaked on putting you up our bad here's 50 bucks for the show. So I still got paid. <laughs> I'm um, like, oh, I messed up. <laughs> no, the universe threw you a bone. Wasn't it? Didn't it feel very yeah. freeing to just enjoy the show and watch your friend? Oh, it did. It really did. It felt good to just like sit down and like not have to be in my own head or whatever. And I, I love giving people tags. If, any, if there's any comics that are like, I'm working on a set and I'd love for somebody to watch it. Genuinely, it's my favorite thing to do. I'll come to your show. I'll write you tags. <laughs> I, you might regret saying that. because I'll be like, <laughs> like, You'll get the worst comedian. So it's like, okay, so it's, it's kind of like a dead baby Holocaust oh, rapes, charcuterie yeah. platter. What do you right, think it means? You got to be five years in or farther. <laughs> okay, there you go. I just might take you up on that because I used to have the biggest chip on my shoulder about working with anyone. Like I never want anyone to think I like collaborated. I didn't understand mm -hmm. how much of comedy is collaborative before I got to LA really. It was like oh, very much like, I think, I think the chip on the shoulder also came from the fact that I'm in a relationship with a comic. And so I never wanted anyone to be able to like, Oh, her boyfriend writes mm -hmm. for her. And now I'm just like, yeah. I know I'm good. I don't, I can be yeah. friends and work with people who are also good. Like it's not going to mm -hmm. diminish or take away from that. Greats work together. But in my mind, I was like, no, I had to, I had to come up from nothing. You know, I don't know. Very chip on yeah. my shoulder mentality. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I, I totally get that. Especially like since your husband's in comedy, because I do have like such a complex, like, I dated a comic years ago and he went on to be uh incredibly successful that bastard um and i now i'm so tempted to ask but i'm not going to ask you to tell me on the podcast i'll, I'll, I'll tell you offline tell you. okay <laughs> but i uh 
I was always so careful to not let anybody know because I'm like, I don't want them to think anything I ever got was because of him. And um, now that I'm still trying to find my way in certain respects, I'm like, mm, I should have gotten some stuff from him, actually. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, why didn't he help me at all? What the hell? <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? I do think it's for women, it's different though, because people try to Mm -hmm. like, I mean, like my husband quit two years ago and like just point blank period, I was funnier than him. And people still ask if he writes my stuff. And I don't think it would go the opposite way around. No. If, no. I mean, like, Jim Gaffigan's, yeah, I mean, Jim Gaffigan's wife is his writing partner and people just forget that. They just, you know, and Mm -hmm. he like admits it and like thanks her every special. But People, people are funny. People are funny when it comes to giving women yeah. their due when it comes to being humorous, you know? Yeah, humorous that. or smart or pretty much anything. Yeah. <laughs> they might give us, like, dishwashing. They might be like, you're better at that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, just but they across don't even, the board. Yeah, and even when it's something, if it's something we're good at, then it's an expectation and there's still no praise. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, of course she's a good mom. That's what they're made for, baby making. <laughs> yeah, there was this really funny, and I, I wish I could recall the athlete's name, but there was an Olympic athlete who, a female who tweeted, she was on a flight and she struck up a conversation with this guy next to her and she, she was a runner and he's like, oh, you know who's, uh, you should really, this is how you should train. And he's trying to like school her on how to train and gives her her own routine. He's like, this athlete, such and such athlete does this training routine. And she like, she's like, I didn't have the nerve to be like, that's literally me. That's, I'm that person. Because he was just like, so focused on, I've got to give you this advice. And it's like, that is how ridiculous uh, men can be. (laughs) That's wild. (laughs) Just the the confidence, the uh, complete stranger who's never done her job was like, let me find, I'm just making the assumption that because you and I are Mm -hmm. together right now, I can Mm -hmm. find someone online who can tell you how to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks, dude. <laughs> Work on yourself, though. Amazing. So I love doing this podcast because it's kind of a learning thing for me and my guests sometimes. Mm-hmm. So like growing up, what what genres of music were you like the most invested in? Uh, I was all over the place because my parents listened to a lot of... Um, I shouldn't say a lot, but my pants listen to some classic rock. Like I grew up in a small town where like, um, you know, in my, during my formative years, everyone's listening to like Rod Stewart and Fleetwood Mac and um, like the, the late eighties, early nineties staples, like radio hit staples. Um, Mm -hmm. And then on my own, kind of all at once in sixth grade. And I, I'm looking back, I'm like, oh, this is probably so- has something to do with like rebelling against my parents because I was 12. Um, <laughs> but all at once I got really into rap and really into metal, which was a confusing time for me. <laughs> you know, like when you're listening to uh, Nine Inch Nails and Metallica and at the same time, you're like super into Tupac. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I mean, um, the funny thing is yeah. there is that crossover of rap metal now, but it is almost yeah. exclusively like Republicans on TikTok. Kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Have you made it to that part of the internet yet? No, oh. no. Oh, it's so and stressful. I, yeah, everything with them, that group is so stressful. <laughs> it's All the time. Musically, 
that is that is where they truly shine. It is so <laughs> amazing to see just a a, a white what is like a white privilege isn't real rap is just, <laughs> like, just I it's breathtaking. It's like you can't even be mad at it because it's so unbelievable. <laughs> it's like when you see a shooting star, you're like, oh wow. Yeah, Look that's at that. usually my reaction. I'm just I like, probably won't I... see another one of those for two years. <laughs> <laughs> so rap and metal. So you've got some experience across a lot of different genres then. So you might yeah, know about over. this. Then you might know about this story already. So each episode, we uh -huh. like to start with a section I call Off the Record. This is a ooh, music ooh. history segment. And for the oh. month of October, I'm just about to close. This might actually be my last one I get to do. Uh, for the month of October, we are doing stories of musicians that were murdered. And so I have to ask you this. Did you ever listen to Run DMC? Yes. Course, right? Yeah, I saw them <laughs> live. I saw them at like one of those um, concerts. It was in Chicago. I was in, I think I was like in middle school or like early mm -hmm. high school. And it was one of those concerts where it's like Christmas Palooza or something. And there's a million bands on there. And it was them. And I believe the Beastie Boys were on the same lineup. And then I can't remember who else. That's all I remember is those two. Yes. Okay. So I actually love their Christmas music in particular. Like I love Run DMC, but mm -hmm. the Christmas songs they put out and the, it was so fun. Mm -hmm. And then the collaborations with Aerosmith, they were smiley, approachable, commercially marketable mm -hmm. music. And then things went in a very interesting direction and Jam Master Jay was murdered in the studio. And until last year, like literally J July of last year, there hadn't been anyone mm -hmm. convicted in the crime for over 10 years. So today that is crazy, right? Today that is going to be our off the record behind the murders. So this article comes to us from the US Sun News. I know that doesn't sound like the most legitimate source, <laughs> but I cross-referenced it. And this is one of the most well-written ones. So we're going to go ahead and go with that. I know US Sun, it's like, girl, where'd you get this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and this is a story of how a controversial 50 Cent track, which started a gang feud, could be at the heart of the Run DMC Jam Master Jay's murder. Uh, he was well known as a titan in the hip hop world. So when Run DMC's Jam Master Jay was executed in a recording studio, it made for a baffling mystery. But as the facts emerged, the case got stranger and stranger. And by the way, Lisa, if you have any questions or anything, just be like, hey, uh, mm -hmm. what the hell was that? And we'll just talk about it as we go. All right. So here's the crazy thing about the story. Even, even stranger than the fact that he was killed in studio was the fact that there were five people in the studio when Jason Mizell, a.k.a. Jam Master J, was shot in the head, and yet no one of them would reveal the killer's identity. Okay. As such, the question of who killed Jam Master J has tugged at the heart of hip-hop community in the years since 2002 slaying. And as the title of the 2018 Netflix documentary exploring the intriguing mystery, it has now been revealed that two men, Ronald Washington and Carl Joden Jr., will be indicted in charges of murder while engaged in a drug trafficking and retaliation of the case. And I did a little bit more research, y'all, and they have not settled this. They've been indicted. However, they're actually considering the death penalty, which has oh. not... I know. And no one's been killed like this in New York in like nine years. Wow. So they're actually up. You mean like indoors? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, you know, like a state, <laughs> not an indoor execution, yeah. but like, 
not state or they haven't brought back the death penalty in New York in a long time. Uh, oh, I thought you just, meant like nobody's been murdered like that. I'm like, well, um, <laughs> oh, like the wage gym. No, um, <laughs> that's what, uh, no, that's I, what mean, I was like hearing that as. And I'm like, I feel like that can't be true. <laughs> the official legal death penalty for the killers is kind of a rare statue because they don't do that all the time in New York. It's actually rare to get the death penalty. I'm wondering if it's mm-hmm. just like the publicness of who this is, how beloved he was in the community, the fact that they like got away with it for over 10 years. That's well, 2002 minus 2012, 18 years, 18 years to solve this. That's crazy. That is really wild. And before reading this article, I did not know that 50 Cent had even the slightest involvement in it. And of course, this is the sun, so they're going to play up this angle, but I thought that was pretty interesting. The murder has attracted a raft of theories and speculations, with some claiming that the larger-than-life DJ, best known for Run DMC's hits like hits It's Like That, was killed as a result of a feud involving 50 Cent and drug-peddling ganglord. Others believe that Mitzel could have been executed by another rapper or by a disgruntled secret enemy he had made on the streets of Brooklyn or by a gangster linked to the death of one of Tupac's murdered associates. So that's how deep this thing just runs where people thought it was associated with Tupac, with Biggie, lots of different things going on. There's a lot, there were tons of rumors about who it could have been, but the fact that five mm-hmm. people were in the room and wouldn't admit to who it was is crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, the Netflix documentary asked, was the killing part of 50 Cent's feud with the notorious local drug lords? Was it a grudge against a member of security? Did it involve unpaid debts? Was it an inside job? Rumors flew. In the speculation about being involving unpaid debts, I looked into this, and one of the like going theory was that Jam Master J himself had actually started um, dealing drugs as a way to pay off debts, since he wasn't necessarily doing as much licensing and types of... Mm-hmm like work as the rest of the members of the group. So just to give you some background, if you're not familiar with Run DMC, uh, born in Brooklyn in 1965, Mizell was dedicated to music his entire life and his turntable skills helped Run DMC establish themselves as the voice of an era until a night of bloodshed ended the star DJ's life. On the evening of October 30th, 2002, the dad of three was in a recording studio in Queens where he was preparing for a show he was scheduled to perform in Philadelphia the following day. He reportedly had been sitting on a sofa next to his friend Uriel Rickon with a 45 caliber pistol on the armrest. So that's just wild that he's sitting there with a gun next to him. But rappers leave live a very different life. Uh, yeah. A detail which I mean, <laughs> my life is the same in every other way. I'm dripping in gold and diamonds and I've, you know, have big parties. Uh, but, but the guns, yeah, that's one part that I don't subscribe to. <laughs> Interest, yes, uh, which suggests he may have known danger was coming. Then at around 7.30, a man dressed in black was buzzed into the studio. So that part's suspicious. He mm-hmm. hugged Mizell and then pulled out a gun before firing a series of shots. One bullet flew into Rincon's leg while another was fired in Mizell's head, killing him instantly at the age of 37. I don't know why I thought he was so much older. I th- uh, that's probably just in my yeah. mind. I always, Wait, I as soon as you said that, I was like, ago just doing all this math i'm like what (laughs) because i'm like wait they would have been like 13 then when they blew up right they were they were like 15 or 16 that's crazy i can look that up right now how old were so they were to aerosmith what those kids in hard knock life were to (laughs) jay-z it's the same kind of (laughs) thing uh yeah (laughs) 
you're right. It's just like, oh, these are children. These are, these are, I mean, that's always so shocking to me. Like, I didn't realize Biggie was 24 when he was killed. Tupac was 25. And I also am realizing I have no grasp of time because I think 2002 was 10 years ago. Um, and I think the 80s were 20 years ago. And none of that. Yeah. I, I as far I as I'm 25. concerned, the 80s were last weekend. So. <laughs> yes. I just, I keep finding myself. Oh my gosh. I had lunch with someone 24 today and she like always <laughs> jokes that I'm her big sis. And then I was telling her about one of my friends, like, yeah, she's, she's like my big sis, you know, she's 38 and she goes, she can be like my grandma. And I was like, don't you dare. And you push her out of her chair, right? Did you? <laughs> Were you like, be gone? <laughs> I just crack her head on the sidewalk. I end up on some yeah. version of a, a podcast yeah. about comedian killers. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm living with two friends right now, and it's just like nonstop jokes between the three of us. So I... Uh, have referred to us multiple times as I was like, just we just need a couple more and we're the golden girls. And my friends are like, you shut the fuck up right now. <laughs> this is not the golden girls. <laughs> and I'm like, no, but you. like the jokes, and they're like, don't you don't you dare? <laughs> I don't think we're as far from the golden girls age as we want to think we are. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna blame. I'm not trying. I don't even want to look it up because if you tell me like Blanche was supposed to be 45 or something, man. <laughs> I'm you scared. know what? All I want, I just want to get to a place in my life where I'm living a Blanche life. That's that's what I want. I just want to disconnect emotion from sex and just start going across the country on like Fuckfest 2022 or something. That's that's what I would. I wish I had the nerve to do that. That looks so fun. <laughs> do you own a silk robe? Oh, I do. I do. Okay, the the nerve is in the robe. You just got to get yourself <laughs> one that has the feathers on the sides and just yeah, wear yeah, it with yeah. nothing underneath. I'm telling you, you just walk around your house and you're like, hmm. I do. Like, I have just... a silk robe that I wear around the house because I just, I prefer to, I I would like to just be naked all the time. Um, and it's not like a sexual thing. It's just, I don't like wearing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so a robe is like the closest thing to just being butt naked in my house. <laughs> i'm telling you it'll it'll come naturally you just keep wearing those robes you know wearing perfume for no reason it'll just mm -hmm. eventually oh, just like idea you gotta get that may west just that hmm men don't mind if i do it'll <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah. i just need to be more southern <laughs> maybe that's it yeah <laughs> so uh where were we in this story lord of mercy uh i don't know we went from somebody being murdered to me having a high sex drive so i don't know which is a natural progression of any conversation <laughs> okay we were focused on the fact that he was 37 that's what it was oh yes that's what it was insanely young i just mm -hmm. in, in my mind i thought he was so much older when this happened all right taking us back to the scene we're back in new york 2002 brooklyn recording studio once the execution like, say, was I'm mm -hmm. oh, sorry. Like, yeah, I thought he was older, but if it has to do with a drug deal, how embarrassing would it be if he was like 60 <laughs> and dealing drugs? That's true, actually. <laughs> I don't know why I thought there's no be like, man, get your life together, grandpa. <laughs> That's true. You do have to like you you can't deal like, you can't deal drugs past 40. By then you have to like become a pharmacy tech, you know? Like or like No, a, you gotta take that cash and put it down on a house and move on with your life, you know? Yes. Once the execution was complete, the killer and an accomplice fled the studio, leaving Mizell face down in a pool of blood. 
We know all this because there were reportedly five people in the studio where Mizell was killed, and witnesses have revealed the details of what happened on the fateful night. However, the thing which no one will reveal is who did it. And despite the presence of CCTV in the studio, a lack of cooperation from the witnesses means police are still drawing a blank over a decade later. With a gun in the room, you think that Mizell would have been able to defend himself, but if he knew the killer, as investigators suspect, then it was likely that he never would have guessed that what was about to happen would happen. In the road to Racone, who was there when his friend was killed, said, had there been an immediate animosity or if there was a problem, they wouldn't have been that close. Oh, wow. So just a friend of his walks in, executes him point blank and walks out. Now, locals at the time claimed to know who the killer was. One witness, Randy Allen, has also been the subject of speculation. Reports claim that Allen, Mizell's former business partner, could have been involved in the slaying to cash in on Mizell's $500,000 life insurance policy. A claim Allen vehemently, vehemently, that's not how you say that word. Vehemently? Vehemently, thank you, Jesus. A claim Allen vehemently, a claim Alan really denies. <laughs> Don't edit this out. This is thank you, Lisa. Uh, can you believe I got a degree in broadcasting and really thought I was gonna do this for real news? And then like I so Mizell was in a lot of debt and owed loan sharks and and his managers quite a bit of money. So investigators have been looking at that for a while. But it may make matters even more mystifying. A number of Queens residents claim they knew who killed Mizell, but they said they won't go to the police about it. Okay, why would you claim you know and then not go to the police? I don't know. Neighborhood resident Olivia Jackson is quoted as saying, honestly, I think the police know what happened, but they just don't want it to see, they just don't want to see justice done. I know who killed him because I'm in the streets. If I know then, I'm pretty sure they do too. Oh Lord, come on, Olivia. This, this quote, did you catch what that quote, Lisa? On? Yeah, that was wild. What are you doing, Olivia? What's anybody in this scenario doing? I don't, I mean, that is the most mob shit. I didn't realize it was somebody, cause I read the article when it came out last July when they were talking about the arrest. Um, mm -hmm. But, and by red, I mean skimmed. Uh, but I didn't realize the person had hugged him first and then shot him, which is like, oh, it was somebody close to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's awful. It's crazy to think about. And I remember this moment in like pop culture history. Like I remember him dying and them doing a tribute to him at the VMAs that year. Did you like watch the VMAs mm -hmm. religiously like I did? Um, I, no, I didn't, I never, I was never much of a TV person because my family was a one TV household. Uh, so oh. unless I wanted to watch Gunsmoke with my dad, it was pretty much, uh, read or leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big deal at the time. And what was interesting is like prior to this murder, there was the stop snitching movement. That was a thing people would say all the time, stop, stop snitching. And then they even made a boondocks episode kind of unpacking how silly that is because mm -hmm. conceptually, like sometimes people need to be snitched on. Sometimes people are in the yeah. wrong. Yeah. And that was, you know, has been a sentiment kind of like brought in and out of, you know, you got people like Takashi 69 who like goes to jail and then miraculously gets out six months later because he's snitched left and right. And that becomes mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, a joke in the movement. But then we've got, I don't know. I mean, Karens are like professional snitchers and we don't like them. 
So, oh man. Yeah. I think there's also, there's, there's levels of snitching. There is, uh, calling the cops on your neighbor cause their music is too loud and you're, mm-hmm. you're an asshole. Um, and then there's like, you know, calling the cops on somebody cause they're beating the shit out of their wife. Like those are different. That's not the same. You know what I mean? Like there shouldn't be, it's like, it's like the terror scale. Like, you know how there was like, we were doing that for a while after 9-11, like the brown, yes. yellow, orange, red. It's the same thing. And if you're in the yellow, you shouldn't be calling anyone. Okay? You, you're Get a hold of yourself. Grow up. You know, <laughs> yes. if, there's, if somebody's like really in physical danger, then then call. Um, so the cops can put them in more danger <laughs> uh, as they historically do. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. Oh man. So back to crazy ass Olivia. Um, I still can't believe she's going to like be interviewed by a paper, have her real name on there and then go, I know. And the police know, but I'm not telling. This is like little sister energy. Very. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh man. Former NYPD officer Derek Parker is known as the hip hop cop for some work. Sorry. Hip hop cop immediately makes me think of someone Mm -hmm. who like goes to elementary schools with a puppet (laughs) (laughs) so 100 percent what a hip-hop cop is you know you're like don't do drugs kids yeah (laughs) (laughs) so for his working cases affecting the industry so you know he means it when he describes the murder as one of the strangest cases i've encountered in my career as an investigator jay was truly one of the most beloved figures in the rap community both for his easygoing charisma and his musical innovations he writes in his book the notorious cop stop it (laughs) that's the name of his biography I've got to log off now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you've got to rape Derek Parker's notorious COP. <laughs> this is, uh, I, sir, <laughs> <laughs> sir, get a hold of yourself. If Biggie could hear that, he would have lost his mind. He would have been like, "Are you serious? A cop? No." <laughs> According to him, Jam Master Jay was never perceived to have committed any violence in his life. So the controversial track, which started a gang feud, let's take it back to how it involves 50 Cent. Some people have speculated the fallout from a 50 Cent track, Ghetto Koran. Oh my God. I don't think that ever made made it the light of day. I don't remember hearing Ghetto Koran. I feel like uh, that would have incited just a whole lot of other backlash could have started a chain of events which led to the murder. The controversial song, which appeared in the album Power of the Dollar, mentions the name of people 50 Cent members remembers from his early years in Queens, including convicted drug trafficker Kenneth McGriff and members of the Supreme Teen Gang. When the track was released in 2000, 50 Cent was accused of being a snitch and as punishment, influential new... And as punishment, influential New York gangster McGriff put 50 Cent on an industry blacklist and ordered hip-hop artists not to work with him. Oh, oh man okay speaking Wait, of which he was insulted this implicate chelsea handler too <laughs> <laughs> that's what i want to know if you tell me chelsea handler is responsible for jam master jay's death i ah! like i <laughs> god <man>. um <laughs> that is one of my favorite things to do on this podcast is uh wildly speculate and create mm-hmm. new conspiracy theories. Like I, 
Yes, I love it. There's also like, there is no way in hell if I was dating a famous rapper, like I would insert myself into their life so hard. <laughs> <laughs> so you would end up on the songs. like. <laughs> A hundred percent. I'd be like, I'm in the music video or we we're breaking up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you're lucky already. Cause your name, like Lisa Curry, hurry, worry. Yeah. McFlurry, Furry, Scurry, like, it's right yeah, there. All of, if somebody <laughs> wants to rap about me, please. I mean, please do please. I would love it. <laughs> oh God. I'll help you write the rap. <laughs> Shit. I'll give you tags. <laughs> Okay, now now I want to get a Raya profile for you. Find you a rapper and and get you. <laughs> yes, I'm just mad. I, I I got married before I had the chance for a Raya profile. I would like to like, I would like to secretly date some like Z-list celebrity that I found on there. That's what I want. Oh yeah, it's good. It's there's good stuff on there. You know what? I did have um years ago. Sorry, this total sidetrack. Um, but my it. cousin's husband is a musician, and he was like, hey. Um, my band and I are looking for a rapper to uh, contribute to the song. Do you know anyone? And I was like, I know two. I'll send them both your way. And you decide. Uh, one of them, they were like, can we get a sample of something? And so for the sample, he <laughs> wrote a rap about me. I never heard it. I heard it was not good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one they did hire because he's more of a legit rapper. So, um, um. Yeah. Anyway, shout I'm out Chris Clark. Sad you didn't get to hear that. I I feel like you. Were I am that devastated. Much. You know what? Actually, I should contact my cousin's husband and see if he still has the email file somewhere because <laughs> I need to hear it. Please do, please do, because I will. I will take pictures of you and make like a little black and white in memoriam over it, like you're dead. I could just like dance terribly, you know, and. Uh, to that song we sh okay we're making this music video i'm excited for it <laughs> yes i want this for you um, 50 cent was no another interesting thing about 50 cent i talked about this in an early early episode i actually oh no that's the one that got deleted but fun fact 50 cent was in like he came into the industry as like the the first actual gangster rapper we had had in a long time because we talked about run dmc literally you know doing mm -hmm. stuff with aerosmith and putting out a christmas album and and deals with adidas rap had gotten friendly by this point and this yeah. is me going off track from the article guys but at that point when 50 cent comes back around we get to a point where record labels have to hire extra security there's the beef between 50 cent and ja rule really picks up because 50 Cent's record company wanted him to work with Jennifer Lopez and oh. Ja Rule warned them mm -hmm. like it would have been 50 and, and Jennifer on I'm Real and like that whole remember her and Ja Rule were doing like two oh, or three yeah. different songs yes yeah but Ja Rule's people murder Inc go in and say like this guy's a bad guy and he's gonna add a bad element and she could actually be in danger and there could be shootouts in the studio you don't want to put Jennifer in this position and mm -hmm. they squash that. So then, which is kind of funny because it's like mm, if you need somebody taken care of, J Lo definitely knows a guy. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sorry. There's no way she doesn't know at least like two hitmen. Come on. <laughs> I believe that. I really do. Because mm -hmm. whatever Jennifer Lopez wants, she makes happen. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Like There's she she so got she Ben Affleck's hairline back. Yeah. I, who knows? If, whoever she's made a deal with the devil for sure. We know that much because she looks like she's twenty five and she's seventy five. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I'm just kidding, JLo. I know you're only 30. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> she drinks a, she drinks a martini glass full of baby blood every day. I'm convinced. <laughs> like... I mean, listen, if if my doctor was like, hey, low key, everybody's out here drinking baby's blood, I'd be like, where do I get it? <laughs> Fuck babies. <laughs> immediately Um, like morally i don't have any problem with that what if i name this episode fuck babies and it's like in quotation marks (laughs) (laughs) Uh, or baby's blood baby's blood because that i'm not doing that you should fuck babies uh that's which is a horrifying you you don't want anybody to take it out of context (laughs) (laughs) i feel like you've hit all the q anon buzzwords Mm -hmm. and so now i'm about to have an interesting a very yeah. interesting uh fan mail so wrapping up this story real quick but i just wanted to give you guys that background on 50 mm-hmm. cent because like it's crazy what his in his entrance to the industry was like there are so mm-hmm. many so many things that were like oh this guy's dangerous this guy's bad but then he actually was kind of dangerous and bad yeah uh, and now he's a businessman selling us water and a essentially a telenovela for black people called power that's just a very really dramatic funny. series yeah, it's. Yeah, I think it's, when the water wars happen, he's going to be king in the world. Uh, I think that that's what he's preparing for. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. And Fifty Cent himself was targeted in 2000 when the rapper was non-fatally shot outside his grandmother's former home with the attacker spraying nine bullets at him from a nine mm pistol. So, wrapping it up, we know that Fifty Cent is like slightly involved just because the fact that this kingpin essentially asked because his name was mentioned in a song, which essentially people think of is snitching. He puts a, basically a list that like, if you are a rapper in Brooklyn, you don't need to work with 50 Cent. And who knows if that message made it to Mizelle? We don't know. With detectives questioning whether the controversial track could be linked to Mizelle's shooting as well, McGriff was investigated by police in 2003. He wasn't charged in retaliation in Mizell's case, but McGriff was currently serving life in prison for paying $50,000 to have two rivals gunned down in 2001. In 2007, when McGriff was convicted of the hits, attention turned to Washington, a drug dealer in Mizell's circle, who is also suspected in the 1995 murder of Randy Walker, a close associate of murdered Tupac Shakur. So just kind of crazy how all of these hip hop murders kind of intertwine with each other. Can I tell you uh, something, uh, some gossip I heard about Tupac's murder? Yes. So uh, an old friend of mine used to work at a strip club and uh, he was a DJ at a strip club and the, one of the security guards there used to work with Suge Knight. And he said, whoever was, uh, whoever shot Tupac was actually aiming for Suge. And, and apparently the thing is, um, and let's scramble my name if Suge wants to listen to this. (laughs) he will hang you out a window by your ankles girl i'm scared Please, i'm already dead i'm already dead sir um you can't Please find don't get vanilla ice special yeah. I can't handle <laughs> but apparently suge uh had a reputation for using people as human shields and so what i was told was that you know they were in the car together and suge saw the guys with like the scope or whatever in the next car and then grabbed Tupac by the shoulders and turned him and pushed him up against the window so that his body would be the shield, which makes sense because how the fuck, if you're in the passenger seat of a car facing forward and somebody shoots you from the side, why would the bullets be head on and like in your chest? Makes sense. It makes all the sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
I tell anyone any chance I get, I'm like, listen to this. Um, so whoever it was was actually intending to kill Suge Knight, which I, he's a scary dude. I was next to him at Benihana years ago, and I'm still scared. Oh, no. <laughs> it was like 15 years ago. I'm still sleeping with one eye open. <laughs> Please tell me. Please tell me the chef threw a shrimp in in Suge Knight's I, mouth and he was all well, adorable. Do you think I like, looked at him at all? Or no, I, I was... I was only looking at the at the thing the whole time at the the oven top or whatever the oven top that's not what it is you know what I'm saying the stove top I'm like I can't I can't look over there do not make eye contact with Suge Knight (laughs) can you imagine the chef who just like antagonizes Suge Knight all night having no idea what's going on is just throwing shrimp at him (laughs) (laughs) too slow blah 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 and then afterwards like that was Suge Knight the guy who killed (laughs) yeah apparently Suge was like a big um he was a regular at that Benihana but I'll tell you what Suge Knight walks in the room it's like it's like a cloud just came into the room it's like did you ever see Fern Gully yes you know that like oil monster or something like it was that vibe it was like oh we gotta go oh my goodness what what a what a presence that man has. What what a presence. That is yeah. wild. He's in jail now, right? I believe. Yes. Um for something in Not that he's not taxes. still ordering hits. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> he's absolutely yeah. still, still running shit. Please tell me where that Benny Hanna's is after this conversation. Oh, it's the one on La Cienega. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess he's in jail now, city. but I feel yeah. like that would be like his first stop out, like just sitting there in an orange jumpsuit, like toss it. I, I'm gonna catch it this time. <laughs> like, Can you imagine? And he has his napkin tucked into his shirt, like a little kid. <laughs> He's like, ooh, make the smoke with the onion rings. <laughs> you know what? Murderers still like nice things. <laughs> like, yeah, still like absolutely. entertainment, dinner mm-hmm. and a show. Oh, As a matter of fact, he may need to lighten up a little bit. More than most. I'm just imagining like something catches on fire and he uses his date as a human shield and it's like, gotcha! You 100%. did it again! Absolutely. <laughs> okay, wrapping up the story. Wrapping up this whole story, y'all, because it's I know there's so many things that are kind of entangled and this thing goes over, on for over 20 years. Washington was named as an accomplice to the Mizell shooting, having reportedly been named by witnesses who later retracted their statement. Maybe it was Olivia talking shit. Uh, supposedly, he acted as a lookout and tipped off the killer when Mizell arrived at the studio that day. Court papers claimed he pointed his gun at those present in the studio, ordering them to get on the ground and provided cover for his associate to shoot and kill Jason Mizell. So that's a little bit more convoluted than the hug and shot we just read earlier. Mm-hmm. There. There are also a number of other theories relating to the murder. Some have suggested Mizell was killed after a row about a row. <laughs> so I forget the sun. This is the U.S. sun, but this is definitely U.K. writers. <laughs> a row is an oh, argument. Yeah. Okay. Uh, suggested <laughs> he was killed after an argument about a publishing advance or by a disgruntled rapper he worked with. However, nothing concrete is known, but perhaps with renewed interest as a result of the Netflix retelling of the case, new interest might come to life. Unless that remains, hip-hop's greatest and most heartbreaking mystery will remain just that, a mystery. So that was written in 2018. Then August 17th, 2020, we get some information. A major development in the case came on August 17th, 2020, when a federal prosecutor said that they would announce the indictment of two men nearly two decades after the shooting. 
Both suspects are in custody. Washington is in federal prison on robbery charges while Jordan was taken into custody on August 16th. So the suspected lookout for the murder has been locked up and then Jordan, uh, that's who they say the killer is. They like, it took them 20, almost 20 years to get an answer. And I mean, I don't know if it was Olivia, <laughs> but somebody That's came wild. out. I cannot, I've looked into, I can't find an exact source on where the information came out, but they have enough information to indict them. And as of, as of post, when you guys listen to this episode, as of post, the death penalty is on the table. So look at on our wow. Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff for more updates. We'll, we'll keep you updated. It's interesting because you wouldn't expect, like even, even um, in states that do use the death penalty, it's, um, I can't, um, um, mostly red states. Mm -hmm. They are red states. Uh, look, I don't know. The These aren't facts. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a statistician. I'm just talking out of my ass entirely. But I, I, typically the people that are in favor of the death penalty are on the right. Um, and I cannot imagine those people being up in arms about a rapper being shot. So it's, it's a little wild that the death penalty would be, uh, would be the punishment given to somebody for killing him even though he yes he is beloved but it's typically the death penalty is like you murdered an 8 15 people you know it's not um that extreme yeah to what you're saying it's kind of crazy it seems like a very like you know red state mentality so for it to be the talk in new york seems a little crazy um for now all we have on it is that despite a moratorium on federal executions imposed earlier uh, in July of 2021, federal prosecutors in Brooklyn said Wednesday, um, the Wednesday, July 7th, that they would still review whether two men deserve the death penalty if they're convicted of murdering Jason Mizell, better known as the rap pioneer Jam Jaster J. And that came from ABC News um, 7 in New York. So that's all I've got. But that's probably a better source than the UK Sun or the US Sun. So I know yeah. it's I know it's legit, but I, it's still up for consideration. And that was July. And I haven't found any other newer news since then. If you guys find something else that you know about, I'm curious to see what happens. I could see these guys getting life in prison for sure. Especially, I feel like how much prison time you get is exacerbated by how much time from when you committed a crime to when you get caught. So if you got 20 yeah. years on the outside chilling, you've got at least 40 behind bars for sure. Yeah, they're, they're tired of you having been free for sure. <laughs> It's enough freedom for you. It's enough freedom. So that is going to wrap up Behind the Murders. Lisa, thank you so much for letting me tell you about that. I know you knew some of it thank already. Thank you. But... I had forgotten so many of the details and not heard some of the others. Uh, so um, it is interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see what happened, if it was a drug thing or or whatever, you know? Yeah. there's a, the, two, the big theories are either he was selling drugs, which I just feel like that's a that feels like an easy thing to do. Like, do you remember like, you know, uh, before he completely lost his mind, but when Dave Chappelle had that joke about like sprinkle some crack on him, like th that was just always the, mm -hmm. the assumption. If you just, if a black man's dead, just throw some crack on him. We solve the case, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, I feel like that was always too obvious, too neat. Uh, and mm -hmm. then the co connection with 50 cent is very interesting. So we'll just, we'll see yeah. what happens. So, I love a clunky transition. We're going to stop talking about murder. <laughs> We're going to stop talking about murder and talk about you. 
So this next segment is is a uh, is soundtrack of your life. This is why I bring my uh-huh. wonderful guests on and love having you. It's to find out what songs tell your life story. So Lisa, have you prepared a list for me? I have, and I have to say, I, I depending on the day you catch me, my five would be could be entirely different. So, but I I really thought about like what are some things that feel kind of formative to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I was. So do I just jump in and tell you one at a time? Yeah. yeah so I'm going to go in can... kind of in like my memories chronological order, meaning like w- okay. what each song taps into. So I would go number one is Rod Stewart's Forever Young, because I was a little kid when that came out. As a matter of fact, I wasn't even born yet because I'm only 20 years old right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was a little kid when that came out and it it was such a hit. and. I heard it all the time and it just, I have a lot of really vivid memories attached to hearing that song. Um, like playing at my grandparents' house or being out on the lake or hanging out with my friends at like a festival or um, uh, things like that. And it's, it's a good song. It's a really good song still. When you hear it, does it, um, does it make you feel hopeful? What emotion do you attach to it? uh nostalgia it's it makes me feel deeply nostalgic and sad uh, but sad but like good sad if that makes sense like sad like i you know i reflect on my childhood and um i miss it but like i'm happy the the memories attached to that song are all happy memories that's nice just kind of sad those memories are in the past more so is what you'd say yeah it's sad that i can't relive them i want to be seven years old again (laughs) what a great time are you kidding i had no bills (laughs) homework was easy that was like my only responsibility was super easy homework i just rode my bike around and drew on things and (laughs) wait why don't i do that now i can (laughs) you can i'm like hold on a second i'm a single adult i can ride a bike around and just draw on the walls if i feel like it (laughs) understand Wait a second. Why am I not doing that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's a there is a kinetic amount of energy that just exists in children, like yeah. you know, the, just the way the kids run instead of walk. Do you just yeah. have this desire that I should run because I can? I, I skip I sometimes if I'm going. Like I like to go on long walks, and I'll just skip. I'm like, mm. I just had a little <laughs> burst of energy. Just wanted to get it out. <laughs> That is adorable and probably a great way to avoid getting murdered. Because if I saw somebody, <laughs> like if I was gonna murder someone and I was like, this bitch is skipping, let me get out of here. <laughs> so yeah, if I'm ever like within, if I ever uh, see Suge Knight in my peripheral, I'll just start skipping. I'll be like, this guy's not gonna take me out now, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like Suge Knight would be like, he'd have one of those supernatural killer stances where like, He'd only look like he's walking really slow, but he'd always be right behind you, no matter how fast. He's covering so much ground at once, yeah, mysteriously. (laughs) And then suddenly he's in front of you, and you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) 100% that's Shig Knight. It all comes back to Shig Knight every time. (laughs) All murders connect to Shig Knight. Let's get oh is it is it like Kevin Bacon but bad like he's Wario Kevin Bacon like everybody <laughs> yes every murder six degrees away from Chuck Knight absolutely absolutely 
the forever young rod stewart great song great song love it a lot so did good. you like the remix with jay-z or were you like yeah. you know what i can't picture what it sounds like right now i think because i have the original just like jamming in my head so i can't it's not coming to me so i can't say i guess it's more of an interpolation than a remix because it was like jay-z's own song but he samples it so mm -hmm. you just get uh the chorus for so oh, wait, yes yes uh, i prefer the original although i do love jay-z i mean i a friend was making fun of me because i i said jay-z just keeps getting hotter and he was like he looks insane right now and i'm like no i love it <laughs> the division over his old man hair is what gets people because nobody grows dreads in their 50s and they're not like no. full so there is there are these people who have this theory that jay-z was wearing a half wig for like all of 2019. Oh. And, and I will send you the conspiracy video about like Jay-Z's half wig because he like, there was a period where he's wearing bandanas and hair. And it was like, his hair went from like this short to this big in like two months, but the bandana never moved. Well, girls that wear wigs know about wearing a bandana or a scarf to cover you. So yeah. I mean, does, does your attraction to Jay-Z change now that you know that he may be or may not wore a wig? I think it's going to stay, it's, I'm going to keep it because I just, I just like, I have such a hair thing. I like guys with kind of wild hair, like yeah. Eric Andre, if you're out there, <laughs> you're listening. <laughs> okay. I actually totally, now I ship that. I think you guys would be so cute together. Like, I kind of love it. <laughs> you know, I think so. Uh, and thank you. <laughs> I don't know. It's not like go to Benihana and if you just run into, I don't know where Eric Andre hangs out. I feel like it's not Benihana, but wherever he's, he's probably at. not, he's probably not running in the same circles as Suge Knight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he could be, I'm not ruling it out. Actually that the fact that Eric Andre is so into pranks, this yeah. the idea of like Eric Andre pranking Suge Knight. And then we it just feels have no like, more Eric Andre. Um, it feels like it would be a similar dynamic to Dennis Rodman hanging out with Kim Jong-un or Kim Jong-il or who I always mix up which one's which. I know it's the son, okay, everyone, uh, but I, I I forget the end of his name. Uh, that but that feels like the same dynamic. <laughs> it's so bizarre. And I I know it's problematic and I don't care. I love Dennis Rodman so much. I think I just like <laughs> insane men. I think that's my whole thing. I, I I'm starting to notice that eccentrism, ex, ex, eccentricism, eccentric, Except, wow, eccentricity. I think. There you go, eccentricity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. Okay, so tell me what your next song would be. Um, my next song, and I didn't do this on purpose. I'm wearing a salt and pepper T-shirt, and I didn't plan that. I just threw this on this morning. Um, but it would be their song. Let's talk about sex. Because I love it. And that takes me back so hard to the 90s. And when that song came out, I had, I was in elementary school. And my elementary school bus driver, if you can believe this, Jasmine, would play mm -hmm. that song over and over and over again. And we would all be on the bus like, yeah, let's talk about sex, baby. And we're like, I'm like eight. <laughs> And it's just so funny because I remember, I mean, that song just remind, it should not, but it does remind me of elementary school. <laughs> long, long before I ever had sex. Uh, <laughs> but 
but it does it like zaps me back to that time and like in in the most fun way possible like I don't even it's that song now still makes me happy and feel like energized and not it's not like a it's not like a sad nostalgic it's like a oh fun times yes you know what's funny about it is that is actually one of the more clean sex positive rap songs mm-hmm. like we as kids because I remember singing along to that and my mom be like don't you say that da, 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 because it's one of the few songs that actually just says the word sex but like so yeah. many other songs talk about all kinds of, of coming in a pie and all kinds of not I don't know <laughs> like I, let me explain what I'm referencing here. Okay, like the dirtiest song I remember when I was in high school, it was, um, I think it was Pimp C, Get Big Money. And and Bunby goes, I might just explode and slap her in the pie, slap her in the face with an apple pie. Apple, I might just explode and hit her in the face with a pie a la mode. That was about coming in a girl's face. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no... <laughs> There's no innuendo in Salt and Pepper. It's actually about like consent and finding out what your partner likes yeah. and using protection. It's if we weren't so weird about sex in this country, it would be a really great like educational song for kids, right? Or teens. Well, and it's like maybe. I also it does feel kind of funny, but um, funny not like it's it's kind of funny to look back and like all the early '90s to mid '90s hip-hop albums had at least one track that was a PSA about safe sex and because we were like coming off the heels of the AIDS crisis or in the midst yes. of the AIDS crisis and th- and they have a PSA on that track and it's like no for real wear a condom AIDS is fucking scary it, you know like it, there's <laughs> I can't think of all of them offhand right now but there's so many artists at that time that were like you know, rapping about whatever. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, but let's, let's get real. (laughs) Uh, AIDS will kill you. Uh, It's real bad. We don't know where it's coming from. Um, So wrap it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was an error. I mean, you know, you had left eye with the actual condom Mm -hmm. in her glasses. I remember (laughs) asking what was in her glasses and getting in trouble for asking questions. (laughs) It's like my mom always thought I was trolling her. So if I asked a question she didn't want to answer, she thought it was like just to test her. It's like, I just don't know. I'm I'm nine. Oh man, that is so funny. Let's talk about sex. That's really funny. My mom always tried to like, because my mom grew grew up uh, for a time. She lived in East Chicago. Uh, and just for anyone listening, my parents are white. Um, and But my mom would like try to prove her street cred to me. So I'd be listening to rap music and she's like, do you know what a paper chase is? And I'm like, you were so lame stop this (laughs) it was like I'm embarrassed for you (laughs) like I'm just 11 and listening to like a fun beat okay (laughs) like trying to get schooled um nor are you the person I would go to (laughs) I love the idea of your mom just taking you home one day and she's like come outside and she's got like some cardboard out and she's like (laughs) she's like did you know your mom is about the streets this is (laughs) hip-hop jasmine if you like she still 
some of the things she says, I'm like, I know you're like really trying, but this is a wild thing to say. You know, she'll be like, you know, I had an afro, and I'm like, no, you have curly hair. That's it. You have you're a white woman with curly hair, and you like kind of styled it big. It wasn't an afro. <laughs> like that's. Oh no! And she'll show me pictures, and I'm like, "Yeah, it looks like Farrah Fawcett hair. I don't understand, you know." But the, God bless, uh, she's connected to something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm obsessed with your mom. I love it. It's adorable. I love it. Tell her to keep her paper chase going. I'm proud of her. <laughs> she is. I'm so proud of her. Oh my gosh, this has been so fun and silly. Uh, Lisa. <laughs> Tell me your number three song. <laughs> um, number three isn't necessarily connected to a, a memory, but I, any chance I get, anytime anyone will listen to me, Melissa Etheridge, her song, I'm the Only One, is the great, I, I Will Fight You. Yes. It's the greatest love song of all time because the emotion she puts behind it is like, this is it. It's you and me, or it's fucking me and nobody and you and nobody because the, i am the only person that fucking works out for you and and the passion and she is a great musician and a great singer mm. it's not like somebody else wrote this song and she just sung it with like uh, some acting capabilities you know um and it just it fucking grips you it and it's does. like that also it does take me back to the 80s but it's also like it's, it endures it's still it's not like corny now you know mm -mm. no and it's it's a good genre bending song in the sense that like it really is truly mm -hmm. a rock song but mm -hmm. if you don't know anything about rock but you just appreciate good vocals and great lyrics if you mm -hmm. and that's really to me the cornerstone of what makes r&b great that's what mm -hmm. for me as an r&b fan made me go ooh. She is, am I the only one? She's feeling this. She cares yeah. about this person. And when she and hits they... those high notes, her voice mm -hmm. is so strong. Like, it's such yes. a full sound. And I think that she doesn't, because, you know, she was a hit the same time Mariah was a hit. And I fucking live and die by Mariah. <laughs> I don't care how crazy she gets. I love her so much, always and forever. <laughs> um, but I think because, because of Mariah's crazy vocal range i think that melissa never really was looked at as a as or she didn't get as much credit as a singer yes. as she should have yeah i especially i mean you got mariah and whitney i was just gonna say yes, the same and, time. Mm -hmm. and they have a different kind of range but like i mean mm -hmm. a beautiful soulful alto is amazing i don't know i feel like female alto voices get underappreciated because people like vocal theatrics the sopranos mm -hmm. can do like the the, the yeah they want to the hear runs. mariah do the dog call you know yeah. <laughs> the dog whistle that <laughs> humans can't hear <laughs> yes you know it is it is a great a great party trick not a party trick oh lord i do not want the lambs coming <laughs> after me that is what her fans are called no, it's not a party trick but it is like it's almost inhuman but yeah there's there's a lot of other types of depthful soulful voices that are a lot of fun to hear and yeah i mean Melissa etheridge i think is one of the best female rock vocalists since janice joplin really oh absolutely absolutely yeah she's so i good. said since as though it's 1982 let's be friends <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i said i said since as though you know not the, like nobody since like she's actively on the charts right now <laughs> like, yeah she's great She's so great. 
time stops, man. Speaking I of Mariah her. Carey, did you know she has a cookie company you can buy on DoorDash? Excuse me? I'm getting it t- tomorrow. Uh, today, yes, actually. It's called Mar- Mariah's Cookies. I uh-huh. really rep- I recommend the Lemon Cooler and mm-hmm. the Cranberry uh, cranberry Ice Cookies. They're really good. <laughs> All right. I will, I will absolutely get them. I, I have to say, I've worked with her a couple of times, and she was cuckoo. Um, uh, like, years ago, I worked... Um, I worked at a restaurant where we had her like album release party and I was assigned to be like her assistant, uh, her, her assistant person from at the restaurant. Although I never talked to Mariah, like, cause I had to go through her people. Um, but I will say at the beginning of the day, she committed to signing like 500 autographs or whatever it was. And she stuck around all damn night. And like, it went to like two in the morning and she was so, t- she looked like she was going to collapse. She was so tired. And her people mm-hmm. were like, let's, let's get you home. And she's like, no, I promised my fans I would sign 500 autographs. I am not leaving here until I sign 500 autographs. And I was like, that's really cool. And then I worked with her on a funnier die shoot. I was a PA and she was real cuckoo bananas. Um, and she kept saying she wasn't feeling well, but at the time she was on an all liquid diet. And it's like, oh, just tell us you're shitting nonstop. That's what's happening. Cause you're not eating food. Um, and she was, to my surprise, covered in self-tanner. Um, and uh, she insisted on having all white everything. She needed a white couch. She needed to rest and she needed white bedding. And it just looked like somebody had rolled around in Cheeto dust. And I'm like, why, if you're covered in that much self-tanner, why are you requesting white everything? I, this is, it looks like she would sit on the couch and get up and it was like, oh, this couch needs to be thrown away. <laughs> like, it was really crazy <laughs> I when you said you met her, I was like my my eyes just got so wide because that is a dream mm-hmm. come true and she 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 sounds amazing and terrible and terrible you know what I mean like like literally like meeting the sun you know what I mean like it's magical it's important yeah. it will burn you life yeah. <laughs> like, yeah and I was too scared a friend of mine was like do you want to go over and both in both instances somebody offered to take me over to say hi to her and meet her. And both times I was like, I, was like, I don't, I don't want to bother her. I don't want it. Like, cause I was like, Oh, she's going to, my face is going to be burned into her memory forever. And she's going to hate me because I'm like, I don't think that I can act right. <laughs> I think that I'm going <laughs> to lose it. Um, and I regret not being introduced to her. Cause I'm like, man, I love her so much. And I, I feel like younger generations kind of clown on her and they're like, like when she did that concert outdoors and she just kind of gave up and started walking back and forth and, and just like, wasn't singing anymore. I was like, yeah, I support this. Whatever is going on right now. I'm on board. <laughs> oh yeah. New Year's Eve. I don't remember how long ago, but it was mm-hmm. this, okay. In her defense, the sound was all fucked up and she's not a lip yeah, singer. So she just said, I'm not doing this. Uh, not also she was never a dancer that was a problem is they always try to make her do too much choreo and that was never her ministry my favorite is when instead of choreo she just has like 10 male dancers carry her from one side of the stage to the other in a dance that's how mariah should be moving at all times being carried by a a bunch of men (laughs) i mean you get less self-tanner everywhere that way if you just yeah this is true this is true Oh gosh, that is amazing and fantastic. I've been I've been a huge fan ever since I saw her Cribs on MTV. I mean, ever, musically, yes, yes. But the Cribs that, on MTV. That episode of Cribs is the only one any of us remember. That that closet with the M yes. in the floor and the mermaid room and the get out of here. I, I love it so much. <laughs> I, 
and it's fun to know that now that I know what I know, so many of the people who were on cribs didn't actually live in their homes. Yeah. Like Mariah was one of the only ones to show us where she actually lives. Mm-hmm. Like that was her world. And oh my gosh, when she was on the stilettos on the treadmill, I was like, yes, I'm going to do that one day. Sometimes I just Google search that just to look at it. I'm like, what, what a <laughs> what good time. It's so, And she saves all of her fan mail. Like say what you will about, she's a little off mentally fine um she gives the most fucks about her fans more than probably anyone i've never i've never heard of anyone saving every piece of fan mail they've ever gotten aside from myself (laughs) um and i have four pieces of fan mail so uh, it's not a lot you have the funniest fans, by the way, because you shared like some random tweet I had about being naked in a airport bathroom because I wore uh-huh. a romper on a flight. Oh, yeah. And I have gotten like, ever since you shared that, there's like one or two guys who just like give me a single thumb up to every tweet. <laughs> <laughs> they don't respond anything else, but they're consistent. They don't miss a tweet. It's like... That's really funny. I have like, I have a, I engage with my fans a lot and I, I have a lot of really nice people that follow me that are not like, I, I enjoy engaging with them. I know I see some women that are like, stop replying to my stuff. And I'm like, I don't feel that way, but I also don't have any like jerks. I'm, I'm yeah. lucky. That's good. That is, that is really great. I, yeah. yeah, they're just, they're consistent. They're, they're quiet. They don't say much. They do say, and yeah. I'm like this directly times with when you shared my tweet. I was like, oh, these are, these are, these are what would I love you call that. Your, your fans? Corinthians? Curry? Oh, <laughs> Curry? Well, that's a little too biblical for me. Um, I don't know. I'm hesitant to uh, name them anything because I kind of hate when people do that. I'm always like, what yeah. are you doing? You're trying to make a brand where there isn't one. Stop it. Uh, what if I call them Olympians? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I do follow, by the way, the actual Olympian Lisa Curry. I follow her on Instagram and I try to be the first person to like her posts and she doesn't notice or care. <laughs> I'm like, hello, can we be friends? I used to have her on my website. I used to have a page on my website of all the Lisa's Curry uh, that were stealing up my name. And then I had each of their pictures, you could click on it and it would like take you to their, like one woman did crafts in Minnesota or whatever. And then I eventually took it down just because I, I thought the joke had kind of run its course. Uh, yes. But the number <laughs> of people so that are, tell me also, they're like, oh, do you know there's an Olympian named Lisa Curry? I'm like, do you think I'm that unclever that I did that on mm-hmm. accident and that you're telling me for the first time there's an Olympic gold medalist named Lisa Curry? Do you, do you think so? <laughs> Oh, so ridiculous. So I, I, I love the earnest, like, did you know? Like, people are always like, I found some information and there's no way you found it first. Like, mm-hmm. there's just no way. Yeah, I've got um, some it's... intel on the word Jasmine you may want to hear. You probably aren't aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. I think, what was that? That was um, Melissa Everett. That was number three. And then, okay, so we, we got two more to go. Give me number two. Yeah. So my next one, uh, just because we're going in chronological order again, is, um, and this is going to sound a little, I hope maybe it'll sound corny or typical or something, uh, is Going to California by Led Zeppelin, who is, Zeppelin is my absolute favorite band. And that was the first song that there's I heard. And that made me deep dive into Zeppelin and like really get into the Stones and, and other, other, um, 
classic rock bands Mm. And that love of Zeppelin has like, it has launched me into a lot of other cool things in my life. Um, so I would, and I remember where I was the first time I heard it and I was like, oh, and then I listened to the rest of the album and I was like, this is so good. This is exactly what I need. Um, and that was like, that was probably like four years after I started getting into like rap and metal. So I kind of transitioned from that into more classic rock. Were your parents Zeppelin fans? They allege, but my mom, I never heard I've in my life. I've never heard my mom listen to any music like consciously, you know, she's never put something on. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I know my dad likes a couple of their songs, but they're just not really like music people. They're more like news junkies um, and they don't Mm. really pay much attention to music. Makes sense. So Zeppelin is what gets you uh, more into classic rock, more into listening mm-hmm. to that. Does it when you listen to the Led Zeppelin song? Does it take you to like a specific memory, or just more a feeling? Um, it depends on the song and the album. A lot of it's just a feeling, but then so the thing that kind of uh, this other life thing that it launched me into is there's this festival I do in Wales uh, called Macfest, and I love it. And it's in this little town called McCunflith, Wales, and it's uh, on the Northwest coast of the country. And their album, Led Zeppelin three. So they lived in that town. Robert Plant used to own a town, uh, used to own a cottage there and the whole band lived there. And that's where they wrote Led Zeppelin three. And, uh, the cottage that they used to live in, I am friends with the family that lives there. So I, whenever I'm in Wales, I go and visit them and I get to hang out at this cottage where Robert Plant used to live, which is crazy to me. Um, and so a lot of their songs take me to Wales mentally. And, and I love it there. And my, like, I want to die there someday. <laughs> like that's where I want to retire and be buried is in uh, McConflith, Wales. I, I, I am in love with that town. That's so amazing. I have not left the country yet and I cannot wait to visit <gasps> Wales because I've heard it's beautiful. Yeah. Jessie, I got rejected go. to getting my tomorrow? passport. <laughs> you got rejected? <laughs> yes. I don't know why. I got no information. They just said I have to retake my picture and come back. I don't know what, what? I did wrong. Are you a felon? So, What's going on? I don't know that I know. What are your connects to Suge Knight, Jasmine? Should we I be talking about that? <laughs> Maybe other Jasmine Ellis is doing some wild shit and now mm-hmm. I can't get a passport. I guess. Maybe. You got to talk to that TikToker and see what's up or whatever she is. Uh, basketball <laughs> player. The child. The child star. The child's a basketball player. The other Jasmine Ellis is literally just the daughter of a video girl who's on love and hip hop, but she appears for like 30 seconds in one episode. Anyways, Wild. wildness. Uh, Wales sounds so amazing. And that festival sounds amazing. Oh, and like such a cool so experience. It's so beautiful. I love it so much. And now our last song, not necessarily your number one, but one song that really helps tell your story. What's our number one? Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how much this tells my personal story, but one song I love so much and it always, always puts me in a good mood and it feels like it's my vibe, um, Hmm. is can, uh, can you get to that by Funkadelic? And it's so good and upbeat and it feels like it just gives you a, a good, it just makes you have a good day, I think. Uh, but not like in a corny way. It's just like, 
eases you into a good mood. It's like something, it, it, I love it, but I won't make it my um, alarm in the morning because I don't want to get tired of it. <laughs> That's smart. No, because anything you make your alarm, you're going to associate with stress, mm-hmm. panic. I mean, literally you're yeah. interrupting sleep for it. Yeah. I can't listen to shimmy shimmy ya anymore because that was my alarm for like a year when I was working like two restaurant jobs. And I'm, I'm like, I can't. I can't hear it anymore because it makes me think like, oh, I got to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> Man, do you miss the era of having songs for people when they would call you? You know, I never had it because I thought, it, I always thought it was so annoying to have, I've, since I've had a cell phone, it's always been on mute because I'm like, I don't want it. I'll get to you later or I'll see somebody calling me. I'm not, I don't want to. You're a trendsetter. I, I don't like now it is like noise. It, yeah. It's a social faux pas to have a phone go off in public. Like if your phone goes off, yeah. we're like, ugh, boomer. You know what I mean? You just assume like your phone's just not supposed to make noise. Yeah, like it's what just... are you doing? If you're, it, <laughs> and people will be like, oh, you missed my call. Yeah, I missed your call because my phone's on silent. <laughs> what? Who's getting your call? That's the better question. Somebody's answering. You, you need to, when, if somebody answers your call on their cell phone, when you call them, if they answer immediately, you need to be like, hey turn the volume off on your phone before we even get into a conversation. That's what you need to do first. <laughs> I'm not going to do this, Lisa, but I appreciate your passion. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, listen, you loser. Don't be so available and thirsty for my fun and commitment in my life. Okay. The fact that you answer yeah. the phone when I call, honestly, it looks desperate. Don't do it anymore. <laughs> it looks desperate and you're annoying everyone around you, quite honestly. Get a hold of that. If someone told me that, I would just retire from being alive. I would be so <laughs> embarrassed. <laughs> That's really funny. Please don't ever call me because now I'm going to be terrified and be like, Ooh, don't pick up. This is a test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could be like, you could be lost in the woods and I'd be like your last one you could get to help you. And I'd be like, Lisa said not to answer. Don't be thirsty. <laughs> don't. <laughs> also, I love, uh, I love that our friendship has progressed to a point where I'm lost in the woods and you're who I call immediately. <laughs> in this scenario i'm like jasmine i'm in a i'm in a situation only suge knight can get me out of will you text him (laughs) oh no (laughs) oh my gosh that is so this funkadelic song i can't wait to listen to i've never heard of it before or maybe maybe i have and i don't know i've heard it it's so good it's um i i I love it it doesn't was it a radio hit or I don't know. I don't know how I even came across it, but it's like, it feels old and new at the same time, if that makes sense. Like, it feels like it mm-hmm. could have just been released last week, but it also feels like, oh, for sure, this is from the 70s or whatever. Well, everything culturally moves in a big old circle. And with mm-hmm. like how popular 70s aesthetic, everything is coming back. It's no brainer that 70s music is also making a big yeah. old comeback. I'm here uh, for so it. It's I love the, the album 70s aesthetic. Yeah. That cover is really good too. I don't know how I haven't heard this. It's a good jam. I have heard this. Isn't it great? I had to know it's I heard good, it. It's such a good one. Yes. It's it's groo it's it's I almost said groovy, but it kind of feels uh-huh. like the right adjective. <laughs> Like it's, yeah. it's mid tempo, but with good energy. Like I like mm-hmm. it a lot. Actually, it's a really great song. 
Oh, yeah, it's something you can like time. hear when you're hanging out at your house. You can smoke weed to it. You can just relax. You could probably do yoga to it. It's very versatile. Love that. So that is going to make up the playlist of your life and close out that segment for the day. Great song, super eclectic. Wasn't expecting any of these together. So that was a ton of fun. Um, We're going to basically wrap it up for the day, but I know you've got an album out, right? I do. It's uh, a comedy album for, I I don't know. Anytime I say I have an album, 90% of people are like, oh, you sing? I'm like, no, have you heard of comedy albums? Is this a new concept for you? (laughs) <laughs> people don't know I, I had the exact same situation they were just like well what do you and I say like I'm a comedian and they go oh, yeah and I have an album and they go oh you do music I'm like no a comedy album I don't generationally I don't know if maybe that's fallen off but I love comedy yeah. albums are maybe my favorite format for listening to comedy yeah or to, like absorbing so comedy like more than specials yeah, yeah. so it's, where can we find uh, it it feels more intimate you can find it it's all over the place it's I'm getting some spins on Sirius it's on um if you buy the album, please go to bandcamp.com uh, because I get the, a bigger revenue share there. Uh, it's on yes. Apple Music. It's on Spotify. And what's very exciting is uh, it was submitted for Grammy consideration. So if you're out there and you just happen to be in the Recording Academy, um, give it a listen and please vote for me. I, uh, I, d- I wouldn't want to win with my first album. That sounds really embarrassing. Uh, but it would be so cool to be nominated, which sounds like, I know, I know it's a long shot. I'm on the list with some really famous people. Um, but I, I do know a handful of people have already voted for me because I've gotten some messages that, uh, people in the Academy have voted for me and I'm voting for myself. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really thrilled. If you know anybody in the recording Academy, you get to vote in three categories this year. Um, so, you know, vote for whatever other thing you want and then choose best comedy album and uh, pick me, please. I, I produced yes. the album myself in London. Uh, I, I recorded it in London, uh, my first album. So I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> and I think that's amazing and super exciting. So you. you guys, if you know of anyone in the Recording Academy, tell them about Lisa Curry's album, Here for a While. Uh, alive yes. for a While. i was so close tell them about her album alive for a while uh super super excited that's so exciting and thank you again for doing the show loved having you where can people find you on all the things i think i've dropped your twitter or your instagram handle like 10 times because i'm just so oh yeah Uh. (laughs) um i'm on twitter at lisa underscore curry and i'll be totally transparent with you guys it's a lot of uh me being stoned late at night and then me yelling about uh the state of the world during the day um, so if that's what you're looking for, go there. Um, and then my Instagram is Olympian Lisa Curry. And that's more of like my shows and my fun life. And tra- that sounds rude, but like it, it, I have a fun life uh, that I really appreciate. And so it's a, a lot of my travels and things like that. How crazy is that it's rude to say your life is fun? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It feels, it feels arrogant to be like my fun life, but I'm like, I, I love my life. It's a, I'm having you, a great your time. Your life looks fun as fuck. You be flying first class and, and private and stuff. I keep up. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's so fun. And every time I have an adventure, I panic because I think, what if this is the last time 
what if they cut me off? <laughs> I don't know if you feel that way. Anytime I'm succeeding, I'm like, they're going to take this away from me. <laughs> I have a lot of, I have a lot of like plain anxiety. And one thing is I like to tweet something really crazy right before takeoff, uh -huh. because I just uh -huh. don't think that'll be the last thing I put in the world. So like I was oh, flying Thursday and I was like, people with Audi belly buttons can fight. And like, that can't be... <laughs> That can't be the last yeah. thing the world hears from me. That that's is so really funny. <laughs> yeah, you're like, they what... wouldn't, God wouldn't do that to me. Yes! <laughs> like, I believe in a God that uh, that looks out for us. Yeah, in my mind. absolutely. They better. Wow. This is so much fun. they're going to get it Thank from Suge Knight. Oh, man. If this Sorry, is the last ahead. episode of Rhythm and Bang... <laughs> Because we are either sent a cease and desist from Shugmai, <laughs> or I am ceased and desisted. Uh, deceased. <laughs> I'm deceased and desisted. Yeah. <laughs> then it'll be all your fault. And that'll be... <laughs> you know what? Apologies in advance, but it's been a fun ride. Uh... <laughs> I love the idea of like my little black and white selfie on your stories. And then the next one is like, yeah. on the way to Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> the party doesn't stop yeah absolutely <laughs> okay this has been so much fun guys thanks again for listening to rhythm and bay if you're enjoying the podcast you gotta tell a friend that's how people find out so make sure you leave us a review five stars only that's all i accept anything else i will combine you leave us a review on spotify and apple music uh and if you find us on twitter we're on twitter at rhythm and bay i finally fixed it it's rhythm and bay B-A-E, like the term of endearment. You can find us on Instagram at Rhythm and Bay. And as always, I'm your host, Jasmine Ellis. You can find me on all the things at Jasmine Ellis Comedy. Thanks again, y'all. Keep it smooth. Mm -hmm.